Hey everyone, welcome to Tales of Recovery. My guest today is Leif Weigel. She's an author, a poet, a musician, a music therapist. She's passionate about eco-philosophy. And we're going to talk today, she's going to educate us on this thing called eco-grief. And um, so Leif and I met at the San Diego Resistance Revival Chorus. We sing together. She's an amazing musician. But she's so in touch, I think, with um, just your spirit is just so free and so awoke. And I know that this is a topic that you've been thinking about. Why we're so um, separate and just far, far, far from our nature, which is really being aware of, you know, what we're doing to the planet, the forests, the oceans, Mm -hmm. just being connected to nature. Mm -hmm. And so um, I wanted to start by reading something that you wrote on here, which is, I think, beautiful. So I'm going to start with that really quickly. It says, we have pathologized pain and treat it as a mistake. Our society is obsessed with being cheerful and chipper. Maybe that isn't the reality or even the healthiest, most ideal way to exist. The first noble truth in Buddhism is suffering. In Christianity, blessed are those who mourn. Pain and grief is not an enemy or obstacle to our cheerfulness and love. It exists. We cannot ignore our hurt. Mm. So we're going to talk about grief and about how you've processed it out in the wilderness and whatever you're going to, ex- you know, educate us on. Um, so tell us. Yeah. Just tell well, us everything. Thanks for having me, Grace. Yeah, this is going to be good. Um, yeah, this is a topic that has been, I think, on my heart my whole life. And I'm just now, maybe in the past six months or so, starting to have a bigger vocabulary to to actually identify what I'm experiencing in my in my greater society, um, you know, as a culture and in the world, and then within my own soul and how I deal with grief, um, not only just of like people passing um, and periods of time passing, but grief um, for the earth and the way that it's changing and the way that it's being destroyed. Um, Let me give a little background too. Leaf and I (laughs) also connect in the fact that we were sort of woke up from the lies of religion and Christianity and whatever, there's some good things to it, you know, it's not all bad, but mm-hmm. we do have that in common, and I think that this, that part of our society also oppresses that we take care of the earth. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, I'm just yeah. making this juicier right here. <laughs> that might come up. It does, <laughs> yeah, and I think that my connection with the church influences everything that I do, whether whether that's positive or negative. Mm -hmm. Um, But the narrative growing up for me, coming from the church was, or just general culture, is that grief is not an acceptable emotion to feel. Or it wasn't even labeled. If I was sad, it was like, well, don't think about it. Yeah, just pray. You know, pray, God will take care of you. Um, Also this narrative that we are the crown of creation. (laughs) We are the top of the pyramid kind of thing, top of the food chain, which now I'm realizing later in life that we're not, uh, this earth is not for us, for our taking and for our destruction, that we are an integral part, more like a circle um, to be part of it. Um, 
So just getting out of that like linear hierarchical right. mindset where there's a God that's the force telling me what to do and, you know, putting me at the, the top of the food pyramid and then everything below me is for my taking and destruction. I think that's influencing our culture worldwide. Right. Um, and that you don't have to worry about it because whatever, the afterlife, somebody else to take care of it, you know? Right. Um, right. Yeah. Where now I know this is, this is all we have in this realm. Right. You know, this is our earth. Yeah. Um, and we are part of it. Our very atoms, our, the molecules within us, 70% of us, that's water. Mm-hmm. Like, fun fact, the rest of the, the earth is 70% water, too. Mm-hmm. We're a microcosm oh. of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, all these similarities and yeah. synchronicities come together. Um, and, yeah, just we are part of it. And that's something that I discovered later in life. So when did you discover this? Like, when did you start thinking, oh, this grief that I have is for mm-hmm. the planet? Like, because yeah. I know you just spent about three weeks out in the mountains in Oregon. Yeah, it. W- I was on a trip. I called it my listening trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, just looking for direction, and nature is the the place where I know yeah. to do that. I'll get to that in a minute, though. But sure. I want to talk about what was the first part of that question was. How did you come about to grief? Yeah, like labeling it that, mm-hmm. um, tying it to yeah. eco grief versus just I'm sad because the world. Is I don't have a bo- you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so when I was younger, I I had a beautiful backyard as a kid, and I had this maple tree in the front yard, mm-hmm. and I would go in there every day after school and. I even remember when I was in fourth grade writing a long poem about it, how it changed through every season. I knew this tree, like its personality. I had a relationship with it. It Mm -hmm. was one of my friends. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I I would feel um, like I missed it if I wasn't around her every day. Or, you know, when I would come home, what would I want to do is get in my tree. Um, I knew all the ferns below her. I knew the holly bush. I knew the um, spruce trees in the backyard and what they were up to. I could feel them. As I got older, I lost that connection. Um, and I didn't, I don't remember a specific day or one incidence where it was like, oh, I'm not in relationship with these plants anymore. Um, but I think our intuitive and spiritual connection to nature and communicating with with things that are that don't use verbal language um, gets uh, erased in our dominant culture because it's not seen as normal or productive or even a thing and I know there are indigenous cultures who do support children communicating with plants and do see them as animated um, with personalities and to have a, something that you can have a relationship with right. as a part of your actual community. Um, so I know that I'm not alone in that mm-hmm. sense. And when you're young, you're just, you don't know that it's wrong. And as you get older, you're like, oh, it's weird if I talk to the if tree. If I'm talking or, yeah. to the tree, or like if, if I feel like it's saying something, it's probably just my imagination. Right. Um, so I lost that language for a long time. And I had always been a, big nature lover 
Um, and my parents were amazing with that, like taking me to national parks and you know, they didn't really let me watch a lot of TV, which at the time I was like, why can't I be like everyone else? <laughs> but now I'm like, thank, thank God you. I was outside yeah. <clears throat> making mud pies and yeah. connecting <clears throat> and learning to garden and things like that and hiking. Um, yeah, so I think in college I was living in Boston and I was surrounded by concrete and I started to experience what was seasonal affective disorder or depression or just this feeling like I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't want to get out of bed. Life was not as worth living. You know, I still wanted to live um, and go about my day, but I was kind of tapped out emotionally. Mm. I felt unwelcome in the city. I felt out of body. Like I was having some dissociative type of sensations that I had never had before mm -hmm. um, and looking back now I see that I, I think that it was my connection to the natural world was completely severed at that point right. I had no grass to put my feet in mm -hmm. it didn't matter what season it was it, like it's like not watering a plant yeah yeah and we we need this connection physiologically and maybe we can talk about that yeah. <laughs> a little. The, physio <clears throat> the physiological, mm -hmm. emotional, and mental, and psychological benefits of being in nature um, were cut off. Uh, but I didn't have this language or understanding to, to know that I had lost something. So I was just like, well, this is how the world is. Like, things suck. I must be a depressed person. I must be... Here's a pill. Yeah, yeah. For the pharmaceutical mm -hmm. company. Or Who's I even got this, planet? like, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> the truth. Um, I even got this fake sun lamp to put oh. in my room to sit in front of every day. I'm just like, that is so messed up that yeah. I had something that I plugged this. into a wall that should be coming from the sky, you know. Yeah. Um, but I was inside so much. And, yeah, so I experienced that loss. Um, and then I went to Appalachia near Asheville, North Carolina, to farm. And my whole world just, like, flipped. My body felt different. Mm. My emotional world felt different. My relationships were better than, than ever, like, the way that I was able to connect with people. Mm -hmm. And I, I like, re-met my more-than-human community right. out there um, and started talking to plants again. I started knowing what they were feeling and what they needed and that peace and presence with the land and the mountains allowed me to heal in so many beautiful ways wow. um and and then I moved to San Diego <laughs> how long were you in Appalachia for I was there for six months okay mm -hmm. speak up closer to yeah okay um and then you moved to San Diego yeah and how was that it was, so I, I thought that because of being in Boston and having seasonal affective disorder that I would be totally healthy if I was just in somewhere where I was warm because I hate being cold. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and I wasn't really thinking about missing seasons, mm -hmm. living in concrete again, and what, what I might not be, not have here to nourish myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it was very clear still at that point how much of a necessity it is 
for my well-being. I think for everyone's well-being, and maybe I'm just sensitive right now or like the topic is something that I have vocabulary that I'm forming around, but I think, oh, I think everyone is experiencing it. this. Personally aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so living in San Diego was definitely a shift for me, not having seasons in the way that I knew and understood where I would measure my growth based on what season it was. Right. I feel like a plant, spring. you know? Yeah. <laughs> We've got these different phases we go through. Oh. And here it's very much the same. Um, so that threw me off a little. Um, I love the ocean. I love the beaches, um, the, the community that I've formed here. It took me a little bit, mm-hmm. for sure. But now I feel like I have it. Um, but I'm still surrounded by concrete. And it it's hard. And there's power lines. And there's EMFs. And the air quality... Um, I don't feel my healthiest right. here um, physically or and that impacts everything you yeah. know so I well maybe I should go back to the grief thing before I go into my trip <laughs> um, I saw the word eco grief um, and I just like looked up on Wikipedia or something what that was and it was like bingo that's exactly what I've been experiencing I'm not a sad person I'm not messed up like the world doesn't suck I mean there are there are many things to be crushed about and that's part of living but now I had a name for for what I was going through yeah eco grief ecological grief um and that is it feels, I feel like it registers in the body the same way as losing a loved one or losing um, a phase of life or, um, yeah, but in society, those are the only things that are acceptable to grieve for. Are, as far as my understanding as a right. child was, it was grieving the, the loss of a loved one, like a family member or a friend or a pet, right. maybe like a memory nothing big like on a larger scale um so this had been welling inside of me for I think my whole life ever since I was in elementary school and saw the polar bear on the little iceberg and I was I knew that the world was the earth was changing and that humans had a lot to do with it and it was killing life how do you sit with yourself after understanding the magnitude and effect that we as humans have on the ecosystem and our biosphere um, and our atmosphere. And who knows how much further we ripple out and have an effect. Um, And it's important that this be taught in schools and to little kids and and not avoid it because it's easy to avoid it. Well, whatever, it's too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Let's just go to the movies and buy a popcorn and and go buy a new skateboard and not think about it. Mm -hmm. Where, uh, you know... It's gonna eventually, I think, and I think we spoke about this before we started. Is a lot of the depression and a lot of the supposedly chemical imbalance issues. There's 50 million reasons, but I'm 100% sure that if you took 
a percentage of those people and took them to the mountains. Mm -hmm. And they could self-regulate by walking barefoot on the earth and touching the trees Mm -hmm. and drinking fresh water and breathing fresh air, Mm -hmm. that there would be a change. Yeah. You know, but we're so caught up in this rat race of capitalism and making money and paying for bills that it's like a privilege to be able to go camping or outside of concrete. Right. Unless that's where you live. It's just a hobby or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's really like, it's where you wake up. Yeah, we're like, we're like seeds. Yeah, we're like animals. I don't know why we're thinking that we're like this big bright. Oh, here we go. Um, supernatural so is God that is can be separate from that when we're really are not. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we're we're not at all separate from it. Yeah. And, um, I was actually listening to a podcast. Um, called For the Wild, which is one of my favorites, with Ayana Young, and she was interviewing this group called uh, Queer Nature mm-hmm. from Boulder, Colorado area, mm-hmm. and they talk a lot about um, how our community extends beyond our human kin, that we have like our blood relationships, familial kin, we have chosen family, we have friend circles, And then outside of that, where I think our dominant culture just cuts it off right there with with humans. Like, what if it does? And I I believe fully that it does extend into our animal brothers and sisters and our plant family. Um, And it shifted my mental health a lot to start to see myself as part of that greater community rather than so much. Um, just like stuck in the the human-centered way of life um, that I'm actually part of so much more um, than that and which is why I'm glad you're here talking about it because unless you hear oh me too me too me too otherwise you think you're weird and honestly we've Mm -hmm. been robbed we've been robbed Mm -hmm. of even me, like growing up in Mexico, anytime mm-hmm. you were sick or whatever, it's grab this flower, grab this plant, rub this thing. On. It was yeah. never like, let's go get the Tylenol, yeah. right? And it was like, this is what the natives do, and these are spirit animals. And I thought it was fascinating. But then you grow up, you move, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's where the hippies, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And now I'm like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. The hippies know what's going on. Yeah. And they're probably a lot healthier in spirit and right. right it's just seen as a counterculture at yeah. this point or a, a, a spiritual thing mm-hmm. which it is a spiritual thing um but we're all innately spiritual yeah. and it's spiritual is physiological right. and spiritual is mental mm-hmm. and you know maybe maybe it's not getting as much attention because we can't capitalize off of of course of yeah. this form of wellness as much as we can pharmaceuticals or as much as we can pathologizing people to say to give them the label of depressed or um anxiety like Mm -hmm. of course we have anxiety do you see where like the state of our world right now um it it's once we wake up to this it's heartbreaking and it makes me feel small helpless I even, like, some days have this self-hatred that comes up because I'm so part of this culture and I can't escape it. Like, everything I do, I have to buy water that doesn't have fluoride. (laughs) 
I have to, I have to drive my car for work. Um, and these are things that I know are destructive and I can't separate myself. And I also don't think it's productive for me to just go live in a commune and be completely like removed from society because they're, what is, what is my voice here for then if I'm separate? I want to, I want to work within what we already have and shift it. Um, and make an impact Mm -hmm. and inform people and use your experience to educate Mm -hmm. others like we're doing now Mm -hmm. and hey you're not alone if you're feeling this yeah you know reach out if you're grieving you're paying attention like Uh for for any of your listeners like you're not alone if you're grieving like thank you for being awake and if you're not grieving (laughs) I saw a bumper sticker once it said if if you're not angry, you're not paying attention yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And I'm not trying to, you know, suck people into the grief space, but I think it's essential if we're going to move past it. Yeah. We have to feel it first and know the magnitude of what's going on. And that's the only way that we're going to actually change structures of society right. into something that is more harmonious with other species and with our precious, precious, precious land yeah. that is being destroyed by the minute. And pay attention. Wake up. It's like being asleep in religion, thinking that that's where it's at. And then you're like, mm-hmm. oh, no, that was a bunch of lies. Well, so is, I don't need to recycle. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do this. I can, let's just build more bridges because there's too many people. There's there's a way to, what I guess what I'm trying to say is it can seem so overwhelming that people can just shut out. Mm-hmm. But one, plant one tree, go mm-hmm. stand in the sand. Don't worry about changing the world, change mm-hmm. yourself, your kids, your friends, okay? Little by little, because yeah. that's all we can do, right? Yeah. But it's huge if you do that. We can all have big projects, but mm-hmm. one, just, just you figuring this yeah. out. Buy oh, less. Yeah. Ask yourself, do I really need this? Exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. the challenge one for me. Like, yeah. just not spending my money yeah. on things that I don't feel yeah. are helpful. Like, I'll get necessities. I'm not not trying to, like... <laughs> yeah. No, I know. But even, like, my cousin years ago stopped buying animal products, and she got rid of all the things, and she buys stuff at thrift stores, and she's an artist, and people were, like, particularly my family, like, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. So and now I'm thinking, no, she knew what was happening since 15 years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. Right. We don't need to go buy a new pair of shoes mm-hmm. every week. Yeah. But that's what the TV tells us. Yeah. Right. Well, make you feel good at all. We were talking about the scarcity complex. Right. That no other species in nature has this scarcity complex. They trust, and even in the Bible, it says. Do, do the birds of, of feather wonder where they're getting their next meal mm-hmm. or wonder like where they're going to sleep at night or things like that yeah. and Jesus or whoever was talking says like I will provide for you right. in that way yet we're in such a consumerist society mm-hmm. that I, f- I fight this every single day just feeling like I need something else to fulfill me right. um, and needing to buy the next thing or save up work harder and save up to get the other thing that will make my life happier. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they want. Win. Yeah. <laughs> they want us to feel yeah. like 
inadequate? And when does it, when does it end? Millionaires are not satisfied. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it doesn't. But the bees end. are. <laughs> like yeah. They just got, got a flower and the squirrels yeah. are, you know, right. they're not worrying about this. Yeah. And, so what do you think? Like, what can we, like, what do you do to, because I'm thinking in my mind, the only thing that helps me, like the physiological, mm-hmm. emotional, psychological part of it is, for me, my, my saving grace has been getting into my body and mm-hmm. right, self-regulating the body yeah. and standing outside barefoot and going out to nature and big hikes and mm-hmm. um, because it reminds me, oh, this is why this feels good. Mm-hmm. And what can I do as little as I can do even to like, you know, not buy extra plastic things and not mm-hmm. be just consuming to feel better because I'm not going to feel better. I'm going to have more debt and those interest rates mm-hmm. are freaking high. <laughs> and it's stupid, right? Yeah. And so, like, what do you... I, I read in what you sent me in the email preparing for this that, you know, your students know 50,000 different brands Mm-hmm. But they don't know the names of two or three plants. Yeah. And I want to know what this plant is, what that plant is. Can I eat mm-hmm. this? Am I, if, can I not eat this? Is this for healing? Like, right. How do we learn about this or what do we do? Yeah. I think education is obviously a huge one. Um, but something that I've been thinking about is that more in the realm of eco-psychology, um, they talk about how you... you um, when you love something, you take care of it. Mm. And you can't love something if you don't have a relationship with it or where there's no meaning there for you. So what that means in terms of the earth and with younger people, I think it is forming that relationship early on, starting to look at ourselves as part of this ecological system rather than the hierarchy like of where there's separation between where it's like, oh, human society, and then there's nature separate mm-hmm. from us. Mm-hmm. Starting to see them as symbiotic One. and completely the same thing. Because even though in our minds and our culture they feel separate, they're not, and they never will be separate. We mm-hmm. are the earth. Mm-hmm. That's the only reality here. Right. Um, so connecting, you know, and it's not just young people. I think everyone needs to, you know, people on their on their last day need to be in relationship with the earth um, because once we are in relationship with the earth we love it because we see ourselves as part of it and yeah. we see the beauty in it our bodies feel the changes yeah. we feel whole and complete and home yeah. and when that feeling of love is there then we can protect then we care for it and we we protect the things that we love and care for um, so right now what I'm seeing and observing in the world is just a lack of connection to, to the natural world um, and our more than human community. Um, and why would we care right. to, quote, save it or mm-hmm. to change our way of living to make it more um, sustainable for other species? Why would we do that if we have no relationship to it, if there's no skin in the game for us, right. you know? So it starts with getting out there. And um, falling in love with it all over again. Exactly. Yeah. It is a total love affair. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just telling my mom, I am in a long-distance relationship with 
the trees mm-hmm. in Cascadia. <laughs> and that's what it feels like. Yeah. It feels no different than having like a lover that's in another Far state, away. you know? Yeah, like those trees know me and and I know them and we love each other. Right. And I, I want to, you know, sing love songs for them. And of course, if I love them, I want to protect them. Right. And they want to protect me and be, yeah. be there to provide clean air and filter the water and provide homes for other animals in the ecosystem there. They, they, we all want to work together. That's the natural order. Um, Do you think there's just too many humans now on the planet? That's a big question that I have mixed feelings about. Yeah. I, I, if we continue living the way that we are, I think that we can't sustain that many people. But I do think that there's enough room for humans to procreate at whatever rate we want to if we're living in a sustainable way. Um, So we need to buy less, share more. Yeah. Like, what do we do? Leave. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have the answers, and I don't think that anybody does. And if they do, they're probably... If they say they do, they might be trying to sell you something because yeah. this is not just our generation. This is the generations before us. Um, and this is going to continue until, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Scientists have all sorts of philosophies about this. I've heard some scary numbers about extinction and mm-hmm. how quickly that's approaching. Um, but what we do know is we cannot continue like this without extreme detriment yeah. to our species and to other species. Yeah. Um, so I into our souls. I mean, mm-hmm. it just this is the con. This is the portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the healthier it is, even for your life, you know, the better life you'll have. And mm-hmm. so, for health. For us, we have to have health for our planet. Yeah. And if the planet is sick, we are sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would encourage like all of us to like go for the woo-woo things, follow the moon cycles, yeah. you know, listen to the plants, yeah. talk to the trees, touch them, hug them. What are they telling you? Yeah. And they're going to be giving everyone a different message. Mm-hmm. You're going to find your place within the culture shifting movement that right. feels most authentic to you. Mine might be, you know, talking about it right here, right, right now. Yeah. And just, you know, sharing through poetry or with the students that I work with, bringing in plants and having them touch it and, and right. experience that on a sensory level. But that's not everyone's path. Um, maybe you're a business owner and you decide to make a move to, you know, have all sustainable packaging or look at where you're sourcing your materials from. Mm-hmm. and what their practices are. Um, yeah. Eating local food. Right. Mm-hmm. Growing your own food. Growing your own food. Even if you have a teeny weeny garden, you can grow some food. You can mm-hmm. grow a little tomatoes to start, right? Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah. 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 Sometimes I feel, even if you don't have this huge farm or whatever, you have a little bucket and you plant some tomatoes by the window with basil, it's like an offering of, okay... I'm trying, mm-hmm. right? And then it's mm-hmm. just a little step. So 
you don't have to worry about going out and living in the farm like you said but just to notice and witnessing here's a seed here it opens there's a tomato wow like it's a whole mm -hmm. process you don't just go to the store and have these gmo beautiful looking tomatoes that don't taste like anything yeah. it's like Oh, the beauty yeah. of it, the art of it, to fall in love with that. You're going to eat it differently. Yeah, You're going to taste it differently. <laughs> You're going to live differently. Yeah. You'll heal your eco-grief mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so maybe I'll just end by talking a little bit about my trip. Yes. Um, I, I wanted to go on that trip. I just saw all your pictures and I was like, <gasps> I want to be climbing a tree like her. What the heck? <laughs> it was sort of unplanned. I, so just brief backstory. Um, I came to San Diego for an internship. And during this internship, I was working, it was for music therapy. And I was working in a hospital and I was seeing death every day. People in hospice situations on palliative care um, sometimes I was there mm -hmm. for their actual last breath and their passing. Um, it was all happening so fast that I just took in all these experiences without knowing how to process them. Um, so grief was, was living in me and it started to manifest in some like weird behaviors that I was like, what the heck are you doing? We've like, this isn't you at all. Um, and I knew it was in there and I, couldn't escape and then after that uh internship ended I went right into working full-time in the school district with kids um which I love and these students are amazing um most of them are special needs have different learning styles um but are it was their music teacher or their music therapist music therapist yeah okay. um so a lot had just happened in my life and I was sick in other ways and had you know, had personal experiences with death in my family in that same time. And I just felt low mm. and heavy. And I knew from my higher self that I needed a break and that I was, that it was going to be a struggle to make it to the end of the school year because it's a traditional school year schedule we have off in the summers. Yeah. So I was coming home from the year. <laughs> yeah. I was coming home from the grocery store and I crashed on my skateboard and hurt my shoulder and <laughs> I needed surgery on my shoulder and our friend Kirti actually told me it was my right shoulder that I injured. She said that <laughs> she looked at me and she was like, mm-hmm, the right, the right side of your shoulder, that's your giving side. Um, and your body will let you know, like, when you need to stop giving. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, wow. this is, I, I feel like I wasn't going to be able to stop myself and give myself a break. So my body did it for me. Yeah. Like, I I've crashed the skateboard and hurt my shoulder and went on medical leave and got to go home and see my family, got to see the tree that oh, I talked about. Tree. Yeah. I started meditating again. It was a scary place to be for the first yeah. time meditating after like six months of, of not. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's really hard to sit with yourself if you're experiencing grief or any sort of challenge in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm so grateful for that injury, but it also shifted my summer plans where I was planning on hiking either part of the Appalachian Trail or part of the John Muir Trail up in from Yosemite to um, Sequoia. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after my my surgery, I couldn't do that. So I came home and I was back to San Diego and... uh, I just knew I needed to go, and I didn't know where I was going to go. I had a few people along the West Coast that I was going to go see, um, but I just sort of like threw myself into the wind and listened, and I called it my listening trip, and that was clear after my first night in Big Sur that this was going to be a listening trip because of the synchronicities that started to happen. In Um, Big Sur, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Yeah. Ocean... And trees. Right. After one day sleeping, or one night sleeping outside, listening to the seals in Big Sur, where I spent my first night camping, um, just living out of my car the whole time and, you know, staying with friends if I was driving by where they were. Um, Super empowering, just to side note, to be self-sufficient like that. It felt so good. I recommend, especially if you're a woman, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, be safe, but like, you can do it. (laughs) And to be in in my more than human community, I was not lonely once my whole trip. And I was spending a lot of time alone in forests. Um, I've never felt so beautiful, or I don't remember the last time I felt so beautiful. Maybe it was when I was farming in Appalachia. Um, and I wasn't looking in the mirror. I just knew I was beautiful. Um, that is huge because we have that innate knowing, mm-hmm. but we're robbed of it because over oh, the mirror, Cosmopolitan magazine, blah blah blah. And here you are, mm-hmm. just knowing it from the from the inside out. Yeah, yeah, and. I feel like it radiated out because people at like the gas station would even say, would comment to me like, you just walk in a room and light it up. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I, I feel like I am lighting it up. I do feel connected and so whole and so just like timelessly beautiful. And, and that's because I was seeing myself in the context of my natural community. Um, and also as a non-binary person, it's so beautiful to be in nature where it doesn't function in a binary system, where there's no boxes of how to perform gender correctly. It's all, you know, things are super fluid and the trees aren't gonna ask me like, well, what gender are you today? Or like, are you performing as a female person? Or like, are you, do you wanna be a man? Or Things like that, where I feel like in the human community, (laughs) it's just like I'm always having to prove myself Mm -hmm. and fit in a box or fight to get out of a box. And in nature, it's just open arms to whatever flows through. It can change every moment. And that's super healing for me as a non-binary and queer person to be in a space like that that is so open arms. Um... Yeah, so I did a lot of listening, and I wrote a poetry book on my trip, and I have been 
thinking about it and it, I don't even feel like I solely on my own wrote those poems. Mm. It was it was me stepping out of the way, getting my ego out of the way as much as I can. That's, you know, yeah. as much as we can. <laughs> and uh, just letting, letting it flow through. Um, and I, you know, I should write on the book that the co-writers were the sequoias and the fennel and the seals and the madrone tree um, and the bees. And it's beautiful. I mean, you know this. You know, I'm, I'm probably twice your age and my mom's like 25 years older. And so I see kind of what happens as you get older and when you're just things don't make sense as much. You think you have to achieve and get this and get that when really what makes sense is falling in love with the trees and the sequoias and having them speak through you. And mm -hmm. Maybe we can't live that 100%, but mm -hmm. if we could do that at least 75%, you know, like yeah. move into that. And um, Do you want to read us one of your poems before we close? Sure. Yeah. Um, Leaf's book is Grace called Becoming here. Everything, a poetry picture book by Leaf. And we'll put your Instagram handle on here if people want to follow oh, cool, you. And yeah. Ask for copies of the book. Yeah, that's how I, I do it. I'm not published through a publishing company. <laughs> I basically just get on my Instagram and say, okay, it's done, everyone. <laughs> yeah, Put some pictures on there um, and say, send me a message if you want one. And then I mail it worldwide. And I put little notes in them. And it just feels way more personal to me to yeah. do it that way. And I do it by donation. So then people who can afford to donate more do. And people who can't or only have a couple dollars like I want them to have it too right. so um, that's a way that just feels in my integrity right now um, so this poem that I'm going to read is one that I actually wrote in college when I was first waking up to or I don't know, it's like I put on glasses and started to see the concrete, okay. <laughs> like really see the concrete and how not normal that felt. Um, and then I read this at the Boston People's Climate March back in 2017, I think, oh. something like that, maybe 2016. Uh, it's called Earth Speaks. Do they know that it's bad? that I am sicker than I have ever been, that I am dying. Did they not see this coming, that my fever keeps rising, my bones getting weaker with every poison pipeline forced in my flesh? I am all they have. I am all they have. I stayed silent for a while, when there were enough honeybees to make my flowers bloom, when I could swallow the plastic in my ocean mouth when there was enough oxygen to fill my rainforest lungs and a mountain breast that had not been destructively groped. I stayed silent because I thought they would give me time to heal. I thought they might see that my health is not a political game, that I am not a ploy for presidency, that I am more than the economic convenience of extraction, that I am all they have. But they still feed me aluminum cans, drizzle me with BP oil, 
season me and cruise ship debris. They shave me clean where my rainforest grows over and over, taking more each time. They plaster concrete over my membranes, build a city on my bosom, inject subways into my veins. They clog my breath with carbon. But I am coughing now. I am making a hurricane where nobody has seen one before. I will rage a tornado through the cities. I will melt the ice caps. I will flood each town and crack the ground where I want to. I will suffocate with carbon filth. I will make it hard for them to breathe. And the politicians still laugh. They sing America the beautiful from sea to shining sea and give tax breaks to the oil industry and bailouts to the motor makers and get beers with the corporations most responsible for my sickness. They frack through my preserved land silence the indigenous stewards, carve my fields into developments, profit off the exploitation of my animals. They carpet bomb me to the bone, sending radiation through my capillaries, and they are stuck in this capitalist machine while my sea is creeping up on New York City and the last polar bear drowns and the bees go extinct and the cancer spreads to the brain and the children forget what trees are. They will say the ones who speak for me, are misinformed millennials. They will say, we have bigger things to worry about, forgetting that I am all they have. I am all they have. Thank you. to cry now. Yeah. Well, she is all we have. <laughs> she is. Yeah. Thank you for hopping on your... Um, thank you everybody for you know listening in. We're outdoors, so there's mm-hmm. birds and airplanes, and yeah. we just thought it'd be cool to do this outdoors. Little butterflies. Mm-hmm. What are these azaleas? These are bougainvilleas. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right, well, go follow Leaf. I'm going to post her. What's your Instagram? My Instagram is uh, at the at symbol crunchy underscore Leaf. Okay. Yeah. And I'll put it on the. On the little note, a little blurb yeah. for this, but um, thank you guys for listening to Tales of Recovery. If you're anywhere near a tree, go hug it <laughs> and thank it uh-huh. and think about this. Um, and maybe this can give a little bit of relief to your grief too. Yeah. You're not alone. Feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Feel it. Let it activate it. you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We uh, we can do this. Yeah. Peace. Thanks so much for having yeah, me. Yeah. Thank you for coming. <laughs> yeah. Peace and love and light, everyone. We'll see you next time.